All right, we're going to go ahead and get into lesson number seven. Thank you for being here this morning. And we are continuing in our study. You need more? Sorry, there you go. There you go. Yep. Thank you. We're continuing in our study of lesson number seven, uh, and it's uh, in the in the series uh, of this lesson, God, are you fair? Lesson number seven is about undeserved grace. We are a people who truly are blessed, and we are blessed beyond measure. And sometimes we have to just stop and and think about and appreciate why we are blessed in such a way, where we're blessed beyond measure because of what people have done. You still need more? Hang into these. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Hang on to these. Do not lose them and make sure we get through this lesson. So you'll notice it's a three-page, it's actually two-and-a-half pages uh, uh, lesson. So all nice and neatly stapled together for you. Um, We are going to go ahead and get started and get into it. And it's, it's a very interesting lesson, to say the least. And I hope that you'll take, the, take advantage of the reflective thinking that's going to take place within this lesson. Uh, we'll take some time to even allow for that as we go through this study. Um, but there is a reflective portion of this lesson that you'll need to be able to see. Um, with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Amen? Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and just sit quietly, and take this time to reflect upon you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for what your word does for us. We thank you for what your word even does to us. It convicts us, helps us to recognize that we are really not able to do anything without you. And we thank you for this time that we can sit and reflect upon those things and reflect upon your amazing grace. We pray now and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Jennifer Rothschild's study, um, modified for all men and women. Now that's what this study is. This was a designed as a ladies' study, but we have modified it to allow for uh, us to speak to everybody about this particular topic. And we're going to continue here and recognize that one of the most important things that we can do as a people, as a, as a group, as individuals, as the body of Christ, is to stay in God's Word. Stay in His Word. Don't let anything take you away from His Word. Don't let anything sidetrack you from His Word. That's what's going to help us as we go forward and develop in our areas and efforts to be disciples for Jesus Christ. That's something that's very important for us to do. We want to be effective disciples for Christ. So starting at the top of the handout, uh, where it says J.R., that is the writer of this uh, study as well, too, but here's an interesting uh, segment as well, too. It says, This isn't fair, a disgruntled little boy argued in the checkout line behind me. I don't know what he thought he deserved, but he clearly wasn't getting it. You're right, this isn't fair, his daddy replied. Fair is the place with merry-go-rounds, funnel cakes, and cotton candy, and this ain't it. I laughed at his clever response and thought about what is fair. Often we say this isn't fair based on what we think we deserve. 
If we suffer deep down, we begin to wonder if we really deserve it. If you've ever pondered that, you aren't alone. In my pondering, I've come to the conclusion that we don't deserve what we get. Nope, not at all. See if you agree. Now, here's another session here. I want you to understand this, too. And if anybody knows about airline travel, we'll talk about this <laughs> as we go along because this is a very, very important lesson. Um, Miss, where is she seated? When the first class passenger spoke, the flight attendant guiding me down the cramped aisle paused. Where was I seated, I quipped. Not up here. The flight attendant said my set was near the back of the plane. My seat, that should be. I'm sorry about that. My seat was near the back of the plane. Hearing that, the man grabbed his bag and excused himself over the passenger in his row. I'll take her seat, he told the attendant. Give her mine. Really? I could hardly believe it. He had paid good money for a first-class ticket. He had the opportunity to enjoy china dishes, cloth napkins, and hovering flight attendants while I was destined for peanuts and leg cramps. He patted my shoulder as he walked back toward my seat. I want to, he assured me. Thank you, I said as I sank into the lap of airline luxury. Now, if you know anything about sitting in first class, I've sat in first class before. You've got leg room, you've got arm room, you've got butt room, you've got hip room. There's plenty of room up there, and they take very good care of you in first class. It's a totally different experience than sitting in the back of the plane. And an airline ticket, if you look up first class, if you're doing anything on American Airlines or on United Airlines, they'll give you an option for first class, and you'll see what a first class ticket costs going round trip. And it's not cheap. I mean, we're talking... That's vacation money, as far as I'm concerned, to pay for one airline ticket. Testing. Whereas opposed to sitting in coach, you know all the different things that take place in Testing. coach. It's Testing. very cramped. It's not. You don't have a lot of leg room. You can't fly for a long time or you, you'll lose your legs because the circulation will cause your legs to fall off after a while. There's just no movement. There's a big difference. Testing. Testing. So being given a first class seat is a big deal. My coach ticket bound me to coach seating. That's what I deserved. But the first class passenger gave up what was rightfully his to give me what I didn't deserve. I received grace. Grace is free and undeserved favor. It's unmerited kindness. Notice I have that in bold. That's a very bold statement. It's a statement that applies to all of us. When we understand what grace truly is, we don't, you can't ask for it. It has to be given to you. It has to be given to you. It has to be something provided to you. Free and undeserved favor. Unmerited kindness. In other words, we are, you know, we're being treated kindly by the Lord Jesus Christ, even though we don't sometimes deserve to be. Unmerited. What contrasting words in 2 Corinthians 8 9 depict the unfairness of grace? Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians. And I want to emphasize something, too, that it's very, very important. I, I made the point of saying at the beginning of this lesson. God's word has to be at the forefront of all of our discussions. And it will continue to be that way. We're not going to evolve into some 
uh, hippy-dippy, new wave type of religion here where we just kind of bypass God's word and take quotes from famous people and say, well, that's what we live on. No, we're not going to do that. That's not who we are as a church. God's word has to be at the foundation of all discussion. And what you find out, and what you're going to find out, for those of you who have had moments where you've just been away from God's word, a lot of turmoil seems to take place in your life, whether it comes by your own doing or by your not recognizing God's favor or merit in the midst of it because you're away from his word. So that is why I'm emphasizing this to you. That is very, very important for you to make sure that you're maintaining your daily reading and study on your own. Um, without someone having necessarily to prompt you. I mean, if you have to prompt yourself with a little calendar reminder, uh, put something in your phone saying, time to read God's word at this particular time, that's cool. Do it. Do it. You have the technology. You have the capability. Sounds like the $6 million man. You have the ability to do it today. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know, this is from the ESV, um, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might, by his poverty, might become rich. What are those contrasting words in this passage depicting the unfairness of grace? What are the contrasting words that you see? I see a couple of sets of them. Rich and poor. What's another one? Well, poverty and rich is the same thing, isn't it? (laughs) Richness and poorness, poverty and rich. But you understand that rich and poor and poverty and rich are synonyms, but they're actually meaning two different things. Because one thing is about how you end up becoming rich, but it's not rich so much because of wealth, it's because of richness because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and what he has done for you. What has he provided for you? Salvation. Salvation. You are, you are rich beyond measure with salvation. And him making himself poor by his poverty, that was by dying on the cross for you. Giving his life for you. That's what we need to see here, and that's our takeaway here that we need to remember. How does Galatians 3.13 describe grace? Well, let's take a look at Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And I'll go ahead and read verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. How does Galatians 3.13 describe grace? What do you think? First of all, did we do anything to compel Jesus Christ to do what he's doing? No. 
So that's really part one of the answer. There ain't nothing that we did. If anything, we didn't deserve what we have. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, we don't deserve it. You can't get it anywhere unless it's given. That's correct. That's what we've been saying. So what we're describing, what he did, he made himself a curse for us because we deserve to be cursed because of our behavior, because of our flesh, because of our sin. A man without sin became sin for us. That's unmerited grace. That's what we need to keep in mind and remember. And I hope that as you study and look at this and you look at what Jesus Christ has done for you and what he's done for each and every one of us, and that provision is for everyone who's ever been born in this day and age, he did it without us doing anything. All he wants from us is his fellowship, understanding of who he is, and you have the ability to learn more and more about him as you're reading and studying his word each day. And going back to what I said earlier, if you're not reading and studying, you're going to have a hard time even grasping this whole thing about grace. You know why? Because you're going to be so caught up in your own junk, your own stuff, your own problems, your own issues... And that's what they are, issues that you will not recognize how much God is blessing you. That's the danger of not reading and studying, ultimately. We have what I would deem short-term memory. Short-term memory. Very short-term memory. Unless we have the word in front of us each day, we're going to suffer from short-term memory when it comes to this thing we have about Jesus Christ. You can't do church once a week and don't do anything else during the week and then expect to be a healthy person when it comes to relationship with the Lord. Can't do it. You won't work. Okay. Jesus became poor so we would become rich. Everybody see that? Did Jesus have to do what he did? No. Did Jesus have to make a determination from day one in Genesis about us needing a Savior? Did he have to do any of that stuff? No, he didn't have to do that. But amazingly and wonderfully, that's part of his whole plan. That was part of his whole demeanor. His whole, his entire will was into that. Because he knew we needed it. He knows that we needed it. He made himself poor so that we would become rich. He became cursed to remove our curse. My friend, that isn't fair. Think about that. That isn't fair. Remember the disgruntled early morning workers from Lesson 7? They grumbled about the wage received, perceiving it as unfair. 
do you wonder if they ever considered it was an undeserved privilege to be employed in the first place? You know, that's something we have to understand, too. These days, it's helpful if you have a job, amen? If you got bills to pay, you need to have a job. And sometimes you just have to come back and say, you know what, after all is said and done, in spite of all the stuff that we kind of have to wrestle through, it's good to have a job. Yes. Mm-hmm. There was no way for sinful men to die for sinful men. Mm-hmm. So it took a holy God to do that. And Jesus digested himself mm-hmm. and became a man and yet he still he was God. Mm-hmm. And he was the only one that Now the reason why you come to that conclusion is because you've been reading oh. and you've been studying and the Spirit is giving you wisdom to be able to make that conclusion. You see what I'm talking about? What you spoke about, Jimmy. <laughs> yes. Okay. You, are, you are the, okay. I'm going to say you're the world expert okay. on Genesis. God, especially Genesis chapter 3. When God closed Adam and Eve, he didn't use nothing pertaining to man. It was an innocent animal. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. All of those things. And what he's saying is absolutely correct. And what he's saying is that this was the plan from the beginning. And that's just being demonstrated in what happened with Adam and Eve. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, is there anything? So, what you feed your brain is going to frame how you approach your life. If you feel like you deserve stuff and you don't get it, you start getting angry. You're like, I know what happened. I deserve this. This person mm-hmm. is my way. So, it's like, be careful what you feed your head all the time. If you feed your exactly head, right. That's right. You've got to filter a lot of stuff out of your life that is going to counter what you've been studying in Scripture. Because you're going to get a conflicting message pretty much 99% of the time. You have to understand that people who practice crimes against others, they believe, and this is a psychological thing, that they deserve to do what they do. They, they have the right to do whatever they're doing in spite of what it does to the other person. That is what sin, it's all rooted in sin, of course, but that's contrary to what? What we're reading in Scripture. You know, th- thankfully, that's why we have the rule of law here. 
we didn't have the rule of law, we, people could do whatever they want to do. And the rule of law is what? Based upon what? The foundations of Scripture. We need to understand that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's correct. But here's the thing that we also have to just keep remembering, and this is why I'm challenging all of you to remember this as, as, as long as you live. Stay in the Word. The Word helps guide you through the Spirit as far as how you are to behave, how you are to respond, how you are to react, how you are to teach, how you are to disciple others. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's right. Unless you know the truth. That's right. That's right. I love that plumb line example too. You know about if you know about scripture, you know where that plumb line comes from. See? A lot of people, what's a plumb line? You know, it's important for you to be a good reader and study and learn this stuff as, as you go over time. You know, you should be able to go up to the pastor and tell him, you know, that I heard what you said in the sermon uh, t- today. I'm not, and I just want to have a discussion with you about that. Instead of just taking everything for what it is, you have to be a, your own student. You have to be your own student. You've got to learn yourself. You know, Pastor Gus can't stand over you during your devotional time. Make sure you're doing your devotions. Amen? I mean, he can't go to everybody's house and stand over them and make sure you're doing That's on you. That's up to you. And you should have, and you know what? You should have the desire to do it on your own with nobody prompting you. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You can remind yourself. Put a reminder in your phone. Yeah, you absolutely do. So when we have these conversations about fairness and unfairness, we just look at what the Word says and we can have, you know, a discussion about it. And it's an intelligent discussion. They overlooked, those workers, overlooked the grace they were given just to gaze on what they saw as unfair. Notice how I said they overlooked the grace. They overlooked it. It was right there in front of them. There was grace being given to them, but because they were so focused on thinking, this ain't fair, man. They didn't see that they had a job to get money. Ponder that. How often do you consider what you receive from God that you don't deserve? Do we deserve anything? No, we don't deserve anything. We don't deserve a thing. We are, we are, I've said many times here, we are blessed beyond measure. Especially if you look at life in general. Something I shared with my Bible study class, the, the people who are at, in the assisted living facility, I said, you know what? You may be feeling bad right now, but I guarantee you someone else is worse. And a bunch of them said, Amen. 
Because it's true. They understand that they have life and they have some semblance of health. It may not be 100%, but you know what? If you've got something, it's better than nothing. And we have to look at life like that sometimes. You have much more than, frankly, what you deserve. We don't deserve any of it. But we understand that God has blessed us to be able to do what we're doing today. Sound mind, relatively sound body, amen? I mean, I have aches and pains right now. I'm standing here, my back is sore, I, you know, but that's okay. I don't care. It's, it's just part of life. It's part of what you go through. You know, I'm still able to walk, amen? You know, some folks can't do that. So you take it for what it's worth. The more you have this kind of conversation, the more you understand, boy, I really am blessed. Go ahead and make a list here. I'll bet once you get going, you won't have enough room. And it starts at the bottom of page one, but I I have some extra sections there. I have received from God, and then you put something in the on the line after that. And it says, I have received from God, I have received from God. Those are four different spaces. So make a list. What do you what have you received from God that you don't deserve? Salvation. You can write that down. That's actually a point you can make on right on the page there. Salvation. What else? Life. You have life because you're dead in sin. That's right. Let me ask you another question. Did any of us choose to be here? No. That's the thing that always gets to me. You didn't choose to be here. It was not your choice. That was God's choice. That you have a life. That you're even here. Did you deserve it? No. I always think of the line in Scripture about when Jesus was talking about the one who betrays him. It would have been better if he hadn't been born. What does that mean? Think about that statement. It would be better if he hadn't been born. Well, if you're not born, where are you existing? You're not existing. Do you understand the, the, the ramifications of a statement like that? So the fact that he's enduring a punishment because of that, that's something you're not going to understand until you go with the Lord and see what that really means. But that statement was made. I have received from God. What else? What else? I know salvation and life are pretty big. Anything else? Say it again. God passed three score and ten. Yeah, that's right. Life expectancy is around 70. Maybe higher a little bit now. But the fact that you got past that point, that's a blessing. Not everybody gets to 70. Yes. Yes, there has been a reduction. 
It went down. That's right. That's exactly right. This is not a new phenomenon, by the way, what he's saying. This started back in 2014, 2015. Well, even probably even before that. Especially in poor rural areas where drugs are rampant. Addiction was rampant. Very, very few places where you could get treatment in these rural areas where there's poor, where poor people. Southern Ohio is a great example of that. Southern Ohio, just, just do a ring north of Marietta, Ohio. Very, very poor. A lot of areas where people are just dying from addiction. And because of that, it actually has, and they're dying at younger ages. So that has actually had an impact on our life expectancy. It could start with legal drugs, but a lot of it, a lot of it was, was stuff being passed around, especially in those areas, too. Go ahead, and I'll come back to you. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 important. I'm glad you mentioned the words higher power. That is usually I don't want to say it's code speak, that's probably not the right way to put it. But Alcoholics Anonymous and people who get into the 12-step program, they often use that term higher power. Higher power is like, for me, the unknown God that you read about in the New Testament that Paul is referring to. And it's not enough just to say higher power. Higher power implies that you cannot have any kind of a relationship with this Higher power. Because you're automatically putting him in a level that is not relatable for us. It has to be a relationship. It has to be based upon a relationship development. We have the ability to have a relationship with Jesus Christ as we read and learn and study more about him. As we allow the spirit to work with us as well too. So it's important for us to make that distinction. So even those people who go through a 12-step program need to take a step even further in understanding what this higher power, unknown God really is. You had a question. You were saying something. Yes. Yep. 
I sure was. That's right. And you know, I don't, don't have a whole lot to do and mm-hmm. not a whole lot of money and you know, money is just not a whole lot to take up your time. Mm-hmm. Something could have slid in there and use that alcohol with that kid. You'd be set. Mm-hmm. But for all those people that didn't want her time, that was very prevalent for people getting off of alcohol. They, they right. Didn't want to bother them too much. That's right. Understand something. What would you be doing if you weren't a believer in Jesus Christ? We wouldn't be around. Now, you might, why do you say that? Because that's a, it's a very, very interesting point he just made. Would you even be around? The thing we have to understand is that this grace that we receive from God extends far beyond what we probably even realize, especially because we do have a relationship with him. You know, I, I firmly believe I don't know that I'd be around. And I believe that, you know, before I turn 50. Just because of, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, I don't think I'd be here. You know, you learn a lot of behaviors as you're growing up. And some of them aren't very good behaviors. And over time, those behaviors can affect affect your health. You know, if if you're a bad eater... You could almost look at somebody and predict they're not going to be around when they're 40. Because their health won't allow it. There are things, and, and I'm just talking about your, your eating, okay? I'm just talking about how you eat, what you eat, how often you do it, because we're all different people. But there are certain behaviors that are self-destructive. It could be eating, it could be drinking. But because you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ you learn about how you modify those behaviors that you learned about when you were younger and say, well, maybe I just can't do this anymore. Remember, what does the world teach us? You can do whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. You can drink whatever. You can do whatever you want. Even when you know better, some of us do it anyway. Amen? Well, that's just the flesh. You're just, that's the flesh talking. Because you're a believer, going back to what Pastor Gus was talking about, you have a different understanding about life and how to live. Now, is that a 100% guarantee? No, it's of course not. But if you're looking at probabilities, if you're looking at what that stands for, statistically, yes, you're going to live longer. Because you're not doing the dumb stuff you were doing when you were younger to put yourself in the hospital. Okay? Am I, am I blunt enough about that? Okay, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We hadn't even mentioned suicide. But that's very true. Suicide is a tool of the devil. Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Sixty-eight 
it was for all. That's right. Yes. Absolutely. Oh yeah. It skews the numbers. Yeah. Well, there's merit to it because the, you have to understand. See, this is the thing you have to understand about what's going on in today's world. There is a lot of, okay, here's an example for you. Tupac and the notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls. That culture, it's not just those two, well, they've both got murdered, you know, at very young ages. Well, if you have that, multiply that by how many other people are caught up in that lifestyle, that's going to skew the numbers. Because they're dying in their 20s, guys. They weren't old. Meth? Yeah. There are a lot of people who are dying at younger ages that are skewing the numbers because they're still counted as adults. They're over 18 years old. If you're over 18 years old, you're an adult. It skews the numbers. Somebody, yes. Who else? I'm sorry. Overdose. We used to hear about overdoses when we were younger, too. If you remember back in the 60s and the 70s, there were a lot of drug overdoses. Jimi Hendrix? Janis Joplin? Now, understand something. This is behavior that you've... It's always been going on. But it comes back to now accessibility. Accessibility of these same types of drugs. This is nothing new that we're talking about. We're talking about phenomena that have been going on for a long time. Amy Winehouse, 26 years old, alcohol poisoning. Yeah. Yes. That's right. That's right. Exactly. That's, that's what we need to understand here. Yes, go ahead, Debbie. Right. That's right. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Sure. Yes. 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 That's the main thing about we got to think about is the insurance company. Look how much our insurance is going to cost us because of their uh, what they're saying you're going to be going in the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so that caused the insurance to go up, even though you may go into your hundred year door. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Now, yes. Oh, Mary, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pretty good. So, from the list that we made, we understand without, without any reservation, we are blessed. We have received a lot of grace. When you review your list, can you concede that none of what you wrote is an entitlement? It is what you received, not what you have achieved. Amen? It's what you received. It's not what you've achieved. You've received this blessing of life. And this three score in ten years, seventy years, what it, for those of us who are, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm praying I will get there. Because that's what we all want to get to. Okay. We've been given so much, but sometimes we stare through the missing pieces of our lives and only see our pain and loss. That's what we have to get through. Questions emerge. We wonder in the deepest part of our souls, do I really deserve this difficulty? But do you ever ask yourself, do I really deserve how good God is to give me grace, forgiveness, and peace? Do you deserve that? No, you don't. But what does he do? He gives you grace, forgiveness, and peace. He gives it to you. You ask for it. And he gives it to you. That's what you need to always remember. That was the first bell too, right? That was the second bell. Well, that's, that figures. So this, that's a good stopping point. <laughs> so the takeaway for today, please remember the importance of you staying in the word to be able to interpret and understand God speaking to you about these very things that you have. Grace, forgiveness, and peace. You can read scripture. You'll know that there are places where God did not give grace and did not forgive and does not give peace to some people because of what? Where their hearts are. So you understand that it does go the other way if you're not truly following the Lord. It does go the other way. You have to see that. So we'll pick up with this next week. And this is a great reminder as we get further in towards the Christmas holiday about this whole discussion about grace, God's grace, 
and, ta- and God's peace as well, too. Somebody. Oh. Oh. Okay. Nine to 9.40. So I will be here, but I'm going to start at 9.40. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm starting my lesson. Did you, did you want to say something? That was the announcement. Okay. All right. Next week, everybody, get with your bells on. Come on up here at 9 o'clock for breakfast, okay? I am praying right now. Father, thank you for this time to, that you give us to come before you and just sit and hear you speak to us with your word. We thank you for the examples that you've given us uh, about your grace in Galatians 3.13. We thank you for how your word enriches us and gives us the ability to recognize everything that you do for us. We thank you for the presence of the Spirit, especially today in all discussion. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. We'll see you next week.